Ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, March 3rd. It is Super Tuesday here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You are listening to the Cheats Movement on WRIR. I am your host, Cheats. And on this edition of the Cheats Movement, we are switching gears a little bit to start the show. We are going to have a very special conversation with writer and filmmaker Brandon Lamont Hughes. Brandon is in the process of creating a short film. He's written the film, and they're raising money for it right now, but the film is titled Angels. It is a very, very special short film that touches on a number of things, but what's really striking to me is that it discusses black mental health. The lead character is a veteran. Uh, He's come home from Afghanistan, and he is kind of fighting his mental illness and is is and he has a conversation with a woman that changes his life and he has this conversation on the day that he's already decided he's going to commit suicide it is a very very important subject matter a very important topic and i talked to brandon about angels and i talked to him about being a filmmaker here in richmond and getting a project like angels off the ground so that is a very special conversation that'll lead the show Following that conversation with Brandon, my co-host Gigi Broadway is here. She is in the building, and we have a lot to discuss. But one of the things we are going to have a lengthy discussion about is our poll question that we we threw out to the Cheats Movement audience, and that is, at what point for creatives, at what time in their career, is exposure not enough? Relationships in that sense is not enough, and you have to actually get paid for your art. A lot of you that listen to the show are creatives. You're working on creative projects. You're working on things where you may not necessarily get a income for. However, they could be your career or it may be your career. And at what point do you say, okay, exposure is not going to be enough. I need to start charging for my services and how to go about doing that. So we'll discuss that with Gigi Broadway. And then to close out the show, I hope all of you already know this. But this week, we are smack at the beginning of Richmond Black Restaurant Experience. It is the sixth edition. I was just out at Canal Plaza on Sunday for uh, Mobile Soul Sunday. I will be at the Altria Theater this coming Sunday. But in between the Sundays to Sundays, March 1st and March 8th, Richmond Black Restaurant Experience is just a ton of black-owned restaurants. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm going to talk to Gigi Broadway about what she's looking forward to for Richmond Black Restaurant Experience. All of that and more on the Cheats Movement on WRIR this Super Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. We're going to start the show right now. We'll be right back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, March 3rd. I am joined by a very special guest in the WRIR studio. We usually never come to the studio to do anything, (laughs) but we are in the studio to talk to Brandon Lamont Hughes. Brandon, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So we're doing something a little bit different in regards to having uh, this conversation on the show, but I do feel it's extremely important. And what you're doing right now is extremely important. And you have a short film that you've written and directed called Angels. 
It's not directed yet. Is we're 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 raising the money to direct it right now. <laughs> I got I got you. We're getting we're gonna get into all of that. Yeah. But it, it is such an important concept, such an important script, and such an important topic that you are tackling with this short film. Tell us a little bit about Angels and how it came about. So, um, Angels is a story that came to me. Uh, there was this Craigslist post that was flying around on Facebook. And I read it, and I got enraptured by it, and there was this one line. Um, it's about this veteran who decided to commit suicide um, on New Year's Eve. And while he was walking throughout the city, he ran into this woman, and they ended up having coffee together. Um, and while they were talking, he decided that he didn't want to end his life anymore. And there was this one line that really stuck out, is that um, she didn't know what he was going through, and she never judged him. Um, and I think that was vital to the story. Um, me dealing with, I, I have dealt with, um, depression. I'm diagnosed major depressed and I have dealt with suicide ideation in my life. Um, and, uh, the biggest thing for me is people treating me like I'm not depressed. I've been around people that assume they know what depression is like. So they'll say everybody's depressed, you know, um, everybody just gets up grits and bears and everything. But I have dealt with these feelings for a long time. And once I found a good therapist, I was able to talk it out and do all of this stuff. So the film is really about just two people sharing conversation that is relevant um, in a way that we don't usually see. Um, but it's not directly going to that so i believe like the big thing with depression is a lot of people feel alone when people are upset they feel alone they get upset uh and they need something to vent there um and i wish i knew what the bible verse is but uh there's this verse uh in the bible that says something along the lines that um the the promise of man or something along that lines uh the the ultimate show of love is to uh, share the burden mm -hmm. of your fellow man. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what the story is touching on a little bit. So that's kind of where the title came from and just what you see in the story. Um, also, a way I wanted to tackle the story is I didn't want to give his depression a concrete blame. Um, I wanted to start the story with him already deciding. So we see things that we don't usually see. For example, um, he seems happy, but it, he seems happy because he's already decided and he knows how it's going to end. And that's a sign that somebody is going to take their life. And a lot of people won't recognize that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that you hear um, when you hear a loved one has done it, has taken their life, um, you hear that, oh, I, I would have never known they were fine right before they did it. And it's because... Before they make that decision, you see the depression, they're sad and everything, but then usually there's a big mood swing, and there are, like, acute signs. Like, they're all of a sudden happy. Um, they're giving away things. That's a huge thing. If people start giving away things, that might be of value to them. Like, for example, um, if somebody, like, loves a PlayStation, mm -hmm. right, and then they're like, hey, I don't need this anymore. You want it? And right. they say it vaguely. Um, when they start calling people up, um, and telling them out of the blue 
that like they love them and it's just a, a way that there are signs and there are ways you can stop things um stop it my we had a table read back in august and my grandmother was there mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother used to work at a law office um off of carry street um and she told me that after she listened to the story that one of her neighbors came up one night knocked on her door and asked her if she wanted anything um, he, I think he was giving away artwork or something. Um, and she said, no, she doesn't need anything and didn't think anything of it. And then a few weeks later, he took his life. Um, and she said she didn't notice that until after she listened to the story. She didn't that, that see that connection. A, that was a sign. Yeah, that was a sign. Um, so, like, one thing I want to do is, so this story has a bunch of elements. Um, it touches on uh, veteran suicide. Um, my lead character is a veteran. Right. Um, it also, I wanted a black lead because the stigma in the black community oh, when oh, it comes to mental health. No, this is great because I, I did want to touch on a couple yeah. of those things yeah. that you'd mentioned. Um, it, it really touches on uh, relationships, as you said, but those two kind of major factors that you just mentioned, um, military, honorably discharged military uh, members and you always kind of hear it in the ether yeah, yeah. Uh, about how we treat our veterans when they come home, especially from places like Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, but you never really see. You kind of hear it, so it yeah. exists. Yeah. You know that people are coming back with PTSD. You know that veterans are coming back and they're struggling to stay married. They're struggling to have, have relationships. They're struggling with their families. And you and and it's almost become so ubiquitous in American society that you're like. Okay, I get it, but you really don't see it. And you made a conscious decision to make your lead character a veteran, an African-American veteran that has come back from, I believe, Afghanistan. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, the reason being is just um, I connected to the story. Um, And apparently the number of suicides a day for veterans is around 20. 20 lives lost a day. Okay. I also shared this with a couple of friends who are veterans who really were affected by this story. Everybody that's a veteran that has seen the opening sequence, what I had so far, um, says it's potentially triggering because it's so relatable. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I wanted to add the black veteran aspect because, like I said, in the black community, we like to, if I could be frank, call... um, mental health issues, white people stuff. So like if somebody wants to see a therapist. Absolutely. You know, that that's black people don't do that. That's white people stuff. So I wanted to make sure I touched on that to open up a conversation in that regard as well. It's important that we talk about that too because there are things now when we talk about all, you know, especially in the black community, we talk about celebrities and there's so many people that are saying, oh, look, go to your, go to your therapist. Jay-Z goes to therapy once a week. And, and and so you hear it much more and you hear in the background, it's because black people don't go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Black people mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. kind of think their problems are their problems or they, they think church is a therapist. In 2020, where we are right now, where I feel like there is a level of more familiarity and comfort with certain segments of the black community going to therapy do we do we still feel not not is it still a problem but is it still as stigmatized as you as say in the 90s when i was growing up when i, I didn't know anybody that went to a therapist well i mean 
<laughs> that that was 30 years ago so yes it's more out in the open now you know obviously yes yeah, so <laughs> I, I feel yeah, i feel yeah. that every day I yeah 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 day. yeah um it's more out in the open now um and people are more free to talk about it but there are still things that we just refuse to do and i i hear a lot of times from people that like yeah going to a therapist is white people suffering it's like mm-hmm. i remember when i saw my first therapist i was hesitant to be open mm-hmm you know, um, and then I saw a couple others and I was still hesitant. I, w- I, I became less and less more. And then my most recent therapist that I had, I was just like, you know what, I'm g- just going to lay it all on the table mm-hmm. and be as open and honest as possible. And like, if you had seen me a year or so ago, mm-hmm. I was a wreck. Mm-hmm. But now I'm I'm in a good place right now. And it's all because of therapy and being able to um, talk about my problems and being and having somebody who listens without judgment. Um, whatever I feel like, um, for one, this I'm I'm trying to enter the film industry. Sure, this is, this <laughs> and, is a great yeah. start. This is a yeah. great start. Uh, I'm really trying hard to enter the film industry, and there is still a level of, I guess, disrespect that people of color get and it's like it's it's gotten better lately um but i don't know if you remember in the 90s independent film was huge like huge. new jack city and, yeah, like yeah, yeah. all yeah, those yeah. movies and everything then towards the mid 2000s it kind of dwindled down a little bit and you were seeing less black-led films absolutely you know and then around say 2015 ish it started a boom started happening again okay um and there's still this myth that black films can't sell and they have no audience but then black panther came out and that changed everything i'm fascinated by why why do we think that arc was in regards to black creators in film in particular just going the independent route more and making kind of independent films during that kind of lull period if you will and it may not have been a lull you can point to yeah. some films yeah. but um, I, I, I never knew why that was uh well it's it's studios studios don't think that uh black leads or black led films make money um and there are like i've always had this conversation with people and there are always these leads these white male leads that um have given have been given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and have bombed in the box office. But then you hear like one of my favorite movies of the last decade was um, Beyond the Lights by Gina Prince Bifoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells a story about how hard it was to get made. She said that they kept telling her that they wanted one of the characters to be white. And she was like, "No, this is a black story." And is this the one that was Nate Parker? Is the yeah, Nate Parker and the um, security guard uh, and uh, Gugu and Bata Raw, um, okay. who's a fantastic actress. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she tried for years to get that made, and then like. Uh, I think she she's on Swagger as well, but that's that's a common story. Like um, when uh, Ava tried to make Selma, mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't like the way that Lyndon B. Johnson was portrayed in mm-hmm. the film. And there's this website. It's called Fact Check or something. It's, it fact checks movies. Okay. And if you look at the stats, her film is the most accurate fact check wise, but it was torn down when it came out which is crazy when you think about it. And it's all just because of this perception of what should be and um, whatnot. So so tell us a little bit about where you are now in the process of 
getting angels created. Okay, so right now um, we filmed what I call a proof of concept, which is essentially the opening scene of the film. Um, and we filmed it to show it off to people to show what we can do. Um, so right now we are in the process of uh, we we have raised the amount that we asked for, which is less than what we figure we needed. Um, but we are in the process of tightening the script up and having a couple of rehearsals. I just posted some pictures um, two days ago of uh, our first rehearsal, and we walk through the script and we figure out um, how the character works, uh, character decisions that feel right and that don't feel right, mm -hmm. um, to make the story as authentic as possible does the film in any way serve or just work in general serve as kind of a therapeutic outlet or a release if you will um i wish i could say it did the writing for me i realized that i don't love writing it's a <laughs> it, uh, uh, the the what, what do people say um they say when you write you bleed on a page sure which I, I absolutely agree with. It's hard. It's, so it's, it's, it's hard. It's It's emotional. Yeah, the it's, writing part of it yeah, is hard. Yeah, emotional. yeah, yeah. But um, seeing it, <laughs> seeing it when my um, when my lead actor Joe Asher, um, he did that opening scene. We did like five takes of it, and at the end of it, I had to get up and give him a hug just because I can see it on his face that like he was going to an emotional place that not a lot of people were willing to go to. It's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get you out of here, Brandon, this is phenomenal. But you are in a in a stage now where you are kind of going from concept to actually getting the film made, and you're doing it all independent. And you're you know you're tapping on friends, you're tapping on family, um, you're tapping on resources like we talked about online. What is the biggest challenge about taking your script and actually making it into a short film? What is what is the biggest challenge of that? The biggest challenge in making it, I guess, well, I, I can say I have a great support system right now because people came out in droves to support this. Um, the hardest part in getting it made, honestly, outside of the obvious, I guess the biggest thing is probably the money. So, I mean, it's, and, a, it's I important. Mean, yeah, money, uh, I mean, yeah. the funding of it. The, if, it if it doesn't get funded, yeah. it doesn't get made. Exactly, right? exactly. So somebody like, has to pay somewhere. Exactly. So that's why I reached out to a lot of people. Um, we had, I cast back, I cast my lead back in about May last year. We had a meeting. Um, and then I cast other roles throughout that time. But the, we, we had the idea together. We had a locked script. Well, we had a good script, not a locked script, but we had a good script. But... We always needed money, so I talked to this um, organization, and they are they're helping out in a big way. But they also get donations, so they weren't able to finance this. Right. Um, uh, but they did put an ad in the Richmond Times Dispatch for me, um, and like also being unknown, mm -hmm. you know, um, I really didn't want to go out and ask people for something if I don't have the work to show it. Right. You know, so... So you're building this. Um, it's kind of the... Yeah. It's kind of the... Every, every job says I need experience. How do I get experience exactly. if every job says I need experience? Right? Exactly. Exactly. So um, just my... 
I guess my big thing over the last few years, I've been talking about movies a lot. Talking about, mm-hmm. I don't know, you, you're, we're Facebook friends. I don't know yeah. if you see my um, Facebook posts. I always talk about movies yeah. like all the time and try to engage in thoughtful conversation about it. Um, so just trying to get people to trust in me has been probably the second biggest thing outside of money um, is because I remember when I showed my proof of concept to a lot of people, they were like shocked at how good they felt it was. You know what it is? I think I think people have to see it. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. like a, almost like a show me thing. Yeah. And if you can show yeah. Yeah. Uh, even snippets, like the proof of concept, if you can show snippets like, yo, I, I can get this done. This can get done if you believe it can get done. Exactly. And, you, and you know what the neat part is? It, the exciting part right now, where we are right now, where you're working to raise money. And I will encourage everyone who hasn't already go to seedandspark.com backslash fun backslash angels. And you can see all of it. And you can still donate at yes. this point. Yes, right we now. still have 13 days left. Well, that brings up a good point. Brandon, where can everybody follow you and follow the film even after it outlasts the race? Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram at um, Brandon Lamont Hughes. And apparently, because I try to run an ad through Instagram, I have a Facebook director page as well. Oh, great. So I guess I'm going to start using that. <laughs> Use it. Yeah. Use everything you can. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Angel's short film is on Facebook all right, and the Instagram is Angel Short Film as well. So you can follow you can follow me on all of those. Um, I might bombard your fees with multiple posts of the same thing, but um, yeah, if you want to follow that, follow those. Ladies and gentlemen, follow the Instagram. The film is called Angels. The writer and director is Brandon Lamont Hughes. Brandon, thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is Tuesday, March 3rd, Super Tuesday in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia. I am your host, Cheats. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. And in joining me at this time, as always, my superstar co-host, Gigi Broadway, is in the building. Gigi, how you feeling? Cheats. I'd be lying if I didn't say I was fit to be tired, man. It's another retrograde. What is happening? I'm trying to duck the coronavirus. On a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about coronavirus? I started off initially about mm, about a 6 or 7. Just read an article this morning that said that the coronavirus can now stay on inanimate objects like metal, plastic, <laughs> packages from Amazon, you right, know. right. For well over nine days. So now I'm about 9.5. So now you're a little more concerned. Yeah. You don't think it's a government hoax? Well, you know, I'm all about a good conspiracy. You're always about a good conspiracy theory. And I do, in the back of my mind, think that they may be coming up with more ways to push Big Pharma. (laughs) And these vaccinations that have God knows what in them. Vaccinations save lives, ladies and gentlemen. Don't listen listen to Gigi Rowan. But, you know... I, I'm torn, man. I, I'm like half conspiracy. It's just the government. I'm the other half. I'm like, Lord, it's it's about to be bad. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what to think right now because I've heard, you know, not conflicting information, but just we hear, we learn more, and we learn more, and we learn more. Yeah. And the thing that really throws me off is like, I guess you can have it without any symptoms for a really long time. Yes. So then you can like pass it around to folks. 
That's and the then thing. by the time, but again, is it still at this point like still like the common flu? Because I was told like I mean as always the flu kills more people than yeah. like coronavirus. That's this. So is that's it like thing. should we be more concerned about like the regular flu or? But I guess it's because we haven't ever we haven't seen this before. This is new. Yeah, and apparently it's rapidly mutating into some other airborne strains. Oh, it's geez. just it's yeah. It it's, is. It, I mean, hey, look, we just, we just <laughs> hide your kids. Please. Hide your kids. Please. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you that Public Enemy kicked out Flavor Flav? You know what? <laughs> <laughs> My. F- my first reaction was, it's about time, honestly. Actually, I, mean, I, I hate to say this because here's the thing. Can you be in the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame and still be, I think, underrated? Mm. I, P- P- Public Enemy may, uh, w- they may have made the greatest single hip-hop song of all time. Mm. They have, Fight the Power could be the greatest hip-hop song of all time. If I was making a list, of the greatest hip hop songs of all time, "Fight the Power" would be it. My, it would probably be one, but it could. It would definitely be no lower than three. What you you mean? You would have that as number one. I would probably have "Fight the Power" as a hip hop song. Yikes! Everything that embodies hip hop, political activism, mm. great song. Like okay, it is pro- singly could be the greatest hip hop song of all time. And so, with that said, and you know, Public Enemies, like, history and, and, and albums, especially when they first started, come, you know, they first was out, mm-hmm. could be one of the greatest hip-hop groups of all time. Again, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. no beef about that. Nope. I I hate to see it. I hate to see it go out like this. I know. I know, but I but mean... But it's about time. It's about time. It's about time. For Makes perfect Chuck sense. Chuck D and Flavor Flavor are not the same people they were. Nah. In 19... Like the late 80s. Nah. Early, early <laughs> mid-80s. <laughs> Not, not the same. All. And shout out to Professor Griff, man. He was, ooh. But now here's the thing. I, I I agree with the large audience that says that this was not about one thing, but it does seem like the final straw was a Bernie Sanders rally. The irony. Are, are you concerned about Are you? <laughs> does this upset you? <laughs> I mean, I think it was just, I think it was like you said, it's just a straw that broke the camel's back. It was just the one thing that just compiled on a list of things that just was like, you know what? This is it. I mean, because this is serious times, you know what I mean? So we got to take things seriously. And Lord knows Flavor Flav has been doing what for the last decade or so? Do you see, do you see Public Enemy ever getting back together? Do you ever see Public Enemy getting back on stage together ever again? Mm. If the bag is right, maybe. Okay, so I'm going to say yes, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just wanted to let you know. As all of this is publicly playing out, I'm going to let you know if it was... Now, here's the thing. I don't think I don't think I need Flavor Flav in nah. a, on a public enemy show as much as I, I need Chuck D. You need Chuck D. You need, you know... But I don't think I need Flavor Flav. No, nah, he's the most expendable for sure. So, take him or leave him. Honestly. So, it, one, again, for like the 15th, um, team time, Chuck D would have to forgive him and let him back in. <laughs> and then the bag would have to be right. Yeah. And then, you know, um, Flavor Flav, I don't know how his pride is because, I mean. None. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's not like he's no, like, oh, I mean, you know. this is Flavor of Love. He did 14 <laughs> seasons of Flavor of Love. <laughs> there is no stop. there is no pride there. It would not stop. There is no. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Yeah. Probably seen them all. <laughs> I Just know. Probably could throw it out there. 
I'll probably watch them, but I'm letting you know there's no there's no pride in this. I mean, you know that was you know what? Top three most guilty pleasure TV shows. Flavor of Love has got to be like. Top We're making three. a lot of bold statements today. Yeah, because I've already called. I'm going to find the power of the number hip hop song of all time, <laughs> and you just said. Flavor Flav, Flavor of Love could be one of your top reality shows of all time. Top shameless. Doesn't matter. It shows. doesn't matter. I know what it means. I mean, you know, it says something. Switching gears. We asked our audience, our Cheats Movement listeners on social media, about the balance between creatives and creating for kind of passion and exposure versus creating for a paycheck. Mm. And we had some amazing responses and i want to thank everyone that was on my facebook page that answered this question we had some really really great answers i want to i want to highlight a few of them um Gigi, i want you to highlight a few as well um because the question and i'll read the question for the audience the question as i presented it and it's probably not you know amazingly written but as i presented it was how do you decide when exposure is not enough and you need to charge a monetary fee for your creative talent. When you are in the rhythm of charging for your creative work, are there situations when you would do a project strictly for exposure or a relationship? I know we got a lot of feedback. You got some that you... <laughs> oh, so shout out. Pick one, GG. Shout out uh, our, our listener and uh, then read their answer. and We'll, we'll discuss some of... Some of this, and I want to I want to get your feedback on this as well because one of the biggest challenges that creatives, that entrepreneurs, that that people that are, if you will, on the come up, have to face is okay. At what point do I quote unquote stop doing favors or stop doing things just to kind of lay the foundation, mm. and when do I transition to making this my my business or my livelihood? I love this question because it's something that a lot of us struggle with. Um, so shout out to James Harris. He's my uh, residential mental health guru. Shout out James. Ming to Heal is the movement. Absolutely. Uh, healing Hub on Broad Street. Shout out James. Great brother. Great, great brother. Um, so his response was, for him, it's a long ball. I can get this upfront fee and be done, or I can give you a reduced rate or for free and build a lasting relationship. I do free often and they turn into monetary opportunities after I do my thing anyway. My thought is I'd rather people have the information than me only looking at the funds. The people at that event are referrals for your next big break, potentially. Also, as a business consultant, if you can't afford to be flexible on price, then you may need to reevaluate your business anyway. Gems. Gems from James. We got to have him on the show soon, sooner than later. He told me the other day when he was joking. He was joking with me, but he told me the other day he he would be like, you know what? I know I made it when I come on the cheats movement, and we'll have to figure. We gotta have him on the show. He'd be a great conversation. We have to. He's a great, great conversation. Great energy. With that um, said, tips. what did you think about kind of his idea of less money up front to build a long term relationship? I think it makes um, perfect sense, honestly. You know, and it you know it all depends on. And I know um, a couple of people said this as well. You know, depends on the the business or the nonprofit. Depends on the person. Depends on how much time you have. But it's always better to think about the you know what I'm saying the longevity of about a relationship or a transaction as opposed to just getting the money and you know kind of just cutting it off from there. I agree. It, it's always especially for creatives. You're always wanting to get. You want to have solid relationships. You want to make solid relationships. 
sometimes that means maybe you take a reduced fee or maybe you do something for free to start out because you want that steady, you want that repeat business. You don't want just a big, a big splash and never get that return business, especially if you're providing a service, especially if somebody like James who has a, has a business in which it's kind of based on reoccurring business. A lot of businesses are, but it's based on reoccurring business. So you might, you might just say, Hey, ease, ease on that top, top dollar fee Mm -hmm. and build a relationship. Yep. I got one here from a good brother, a friend and a friend of the show, Deron Chavis. He's a history maker. If you you can see his portrait at the VMFA, I took Cam to the VMFA over the weekend and uh, took took a photo of him in front of the the history makers, and it was dope to see a, a number of uh, community influencers. But Deron Chavis has always been one. Oh wow! And so he wrote. He determines this by calculating what bills I need to pay next. If I can afford to do it for free, I might. Depends on if I like the project, particularly if it's a nonprofit endeavor and they don't have a lot of money to pay for the creative services. See, I like that. I wish I was more like that. Explain. Because, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a Pisces. So, you know, I deal a lot in emotions, energy and things like that and we all know that don't pay the bills. Okay. You know? Okay. So I wish I was a little bit less into like the energy and the relationship sometimes and more analytical, more like logical in regards to the money. What is the bottom line? What am I going to get out of this and how can I pay the bills? It's a real you know? practical approach, right? It's a practical approach for based sure. on need. He's like, Hey, let me look at, let me look at what I need to do, what I need to financially pay for. Yeah. And then I'll determine based off of what I what I need to what I need to pay mm-hmm. whether I have the kind of bandwidth the ability the time to be able to balance out a pro bono situation or something of that nature so yep. it's a real practical one I mean we got a couple more that we want to read we appreciate everybody that gave us feedback I'll I'll tell you it's been for for things that we've done on the cheats movement it has been a process I was telling someone earlier today that I remember not only like paying my way to shows, looking up, researching what shows were happening in Richmond, mm-hmm. paying my way to the show, getting to the show that I paid my way for early just so I could get up front so I could take the photo of the show, leaving that show, you know, writing the article, taking the photos and posting it. And that's how the Cheats movement started, especially it started covering hip hop. We paid our way to every show. We were there early to get, and I say we like it was a group of us. It was basically me. Um, <laughs> but but I got there early. And I may, 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 may have met the artist, may have met the promoter of the show, but it was no favors. And it went from that process to, hey, you know, we would like you to come out and, and, and cover the show. So then it went from, you know, me paying my own way to maybe me getting a free ticket. Mm-hmm. I still had to get there early, um, you know, to get checked off on the list. I still needed to set up and bring my own equipment. I still had to take the photos and write the article. Mm. Then it was, hey, man, we really want you to come out. Yeah. What do you, what do you, you know, I can put you on the list. Just show up when you show up. You know what I mean? Yep. Take the photos. We really want that. Uh, we'll want that, that coverage. And so that was kind of another level of it. I might even get, you know, they might even set up for me the interview with the artist after the show. So it was like now and I just try to show up. I show up when I want. 
I could probably get a chance to talk to the artist after the show or the promoter or something. Till ultimately, it was like, yo, we're having a show. They're telling me in advance. I'm on the list. They might even say, hey, what do you need? Like, how do we get you to come cover this event? And it may even, you know, I might get perks and drink tickets and, you know what I mean? It may yeah. even get uh, you know, some type of monetary thing. So, there, so it went from me. That was a, a progression that we saw from me having to pay, find the show, pay my own way mm-hmm. to ultimately, um, you know, me not even like if, if it wasn't a, a, a good enough situation or the timing won't right, I, I might not even make it unless they made it really awesome, you know, for us to come out and cover the show. Yeah. And that's not always the case. And that's not always the case now. Mm-hmm. But there's a progression there that I, I, I've seen. But it had it not been for paying your own way, doing the foundation, that stuff, it would have never got to the point where at the other end, you know what I mean? That's true. So it's, I kind of see it, and that's just one situation or one kind of scenario of of progression. Um, And there's a whole lot of parallel things that was moving with this site and the blog and the podcast and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and, um, and the team. But I never really want to front on doing things just so you can get your name out there. I don't want to front on the idea because there's some people that said, hey, look, if you want this to be a business, you don't do anything for free. Yeah. And it's like I, I have real challenge with that approach because I know in 2011, 2012, if I wasn't doing everything for free mm-hmm. and showing it up um, and writing the article. So now there's another good example. So just to give you um, a better idea of the progression. Now, outlets contact me. We do invoices, and they they pay me to write articles for them. That happens now. Like that's happened a bunch in twenty twenty. Yeah. Like I'm pinning articles for this project or this organization. Where before, I would have been just like if they had even known my name, I would have been falling all over myself, figuring out how I could do things for free for them. Mm-hmm. So now it's like that's that's a level of like now like would i write an article for free maybe but i you know and now the, the that part of my career is established enough where it would really have to be a relationship i don't even think there's a level of exposure maybe there's a level of exposure. like new york, you know rolling stone or new york Times or something yeah. like that you yeah. probably still do it for free but i mean especially nothing that kind of around here that in in our hometown that would be like Oh, I'm gonna do that, and I don't have a relationship with you, and I don't. You know what I mean? It, right, right. So, I don't know. It, it it it's a balance. But you know what? To play devil's advocate, because please do. You're from the old school, right? So the old school has, you know, we're taught to get it out the mud. You know what I mean? I'm just old. <laughs> old school. Old just school. Old. You know, but like. People these days, especially the younger generation, you know, they're in the microwave popcorn era. So they don't believe or they don't see the benefit of doing things two, three years, four years to build up that, you know, that natural progression. So and I've seen a lot um, lately on social media, a lot of um, back and forth about, you know, people doing things for the love and, you know, for the exposure and on the flip side, the other person be like, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need I'm going to need some money. Right. So it's kind of like because I've, I've read a lot of self-help and a lot of, you know, things from 
successful people. And on the flip side to like, okay, throwing yourself out there, building up that, you know, that platform. One could also argue that essentially things are valued or perceived by what they're valued. So if you, you know, kind of sell yourself out there for nothing, then people kind of can, it leaves room for people to kind of take advantage or think that what you have is less than, or, sure. you know what I mean? No, I mean, hey, things I hear all the time, know your worth. Yeah. And there's really no value, like free, there's no value on free. Exactly. So it's very hard, if, especially if you're starting out with free, um, to say, okay, now that free service is worth $500 or $1,000 or $25,000. Yeah. It's very difficult because you have put it out there for free yeah. to give with them. People just, de- they naturally devalue free. Right. So it's hard. Let me ask you this. I got uh, Greg Hauser, another friend of the show. Wrote, oh, I love his response. Wrote, Exposure is never enough. Pay creatives. Period. Period. Do you, do you agree with that, that exposure is never enough? Because we live in an age where some of the biggest stars on the planet do the Super Bowl, and guess what? They don't get paid to do the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl halftime show, you know how much you get paid to do it? Nothing. Nothing. And that's a perfect example. That And that that exposure is, uh, that's, that exposure is worth a lot. You know what I mean? It's a lot of opportunities where just the sheer exposure of it all is highly beneficial so i don't know you know do you do things just so you can say you did them so for example again the super bowl is an astronomical thing however <laughs> however take it or leave it lady gaga or coldplay or beyonce or shakira this year and jennifer lopez mm-hmm. they got paid absolutely nothing to do it they're well-established names but at the end of the day they can say i did the super bowl halftime performance do you would you as a creative do something just to say you know what? I did it. I can check that off. I'm in a small group of people that did that. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, absolutely. Good friend of the program, Noah O, wrote, depends on the opportunity and relationship, how much time it will take for me, I guess, to do whatever it is being requested of me to do. How much do relationships play into this? That's a good question. It's just hard. I don't know. So you've got... so. Just so we so we know, because you are a creative as well. You're a creative person. You you do a lot of projects, whether it's for yourself or for other people. And I do a lot for free. You do do a lot for free. I know this. Yes. I mean, we both we both do a lot for free. We do. So, is there a point at when is it? Is there something that happens in your mind, some kind of a level that changes? Say you've been doing something for free. Mm-hmm. You have a relationship with the organization. You know, let's uh, let's say it's a corporation, nonprofits. I understand they don't have a lot of money. A lot of people do a lot of things for free for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. But say it's a corporation, okay, and you've been doing some stuff at maybe a reduced rate or so forth. Is there some time when you say, okay, I've got to charge them my regular rate, my full rate? I got, or I got to charge them at all? Like how how do you adjust the relationship midstream? I think that I typically adjust the relationship you know um or the stipulations by how much time i have or don't have you know what i mean mm-hmm. um you know at certain points of the year where business is slower than others so i can afford to spend a little bit extra time on something that i'm not getting you know any any gain from monetarily so um yeah i think time is the biggest factor for me like you know right now the way i'm feeling everybody getting charged so 
but in the summertime, you know, the weather hits. I get a little time on my hands. It might be different. You but know? it's different. I think it's different for someone that you've been working with because I do think it's very hard to go backwards. I think it's hard to it, say, it is. "Hey, look, I've been doing this work, and you've been paying me X amount of money for this work." It's hard for them, for me, to be like, "Okay, I'm going to take less," because you know, it's either the same work or more. Yeah. Last one I'm going to read, uh, Brandon Love with two E's. Shout out, Brandon Love with two E's. Wrote, and it's a lengthy one. I'll try my best to get it, get it all in the right place. The more organizations, corporations, and universities started reaching out, I realized I couldn't be everywhere at once. The increase in demand had a direct impact on my booking fees. Mm-hmm. I started viewing my art as more than a hobby but an actual service that people craved. This is not his words, but some it reminds me of someone saying, be in demand. Yeah. If you're in demand, that changes everything. That's a fact. I know exactly where I'm going and the lane that I am building for myself, so I honestly never find myself doing anything for exposure. However, I do decide to volunteer my services. The purpose of the event has to line up with my overall message, whether that be youth advocacy, women empowerment, and or community work. Even in those instances, the exchange may not be monetary, yet I would require, I will require space to set up and sell merch, books, t-shirts, you know, some way to get money. Mm-hmm. Overall, I advise all artists to charge. Even if you're just starting out with gas money, you can't have a show without performers, period. If every artist charged for their time, then all artists would be getting paid. That's how I feel. Get your confidence up and believe in yourself. Mm. Don't don't wait for someone to believe in you. And lastly, artists. If no one ever says, oh, that's too much, then you're not charging enough. Mm. Okay, Be now. Be love. I like it. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there, and, yeah. I, and I can't unpack it all. But that is one of the other things I always hear. And one of the things why we're having this conversation is because creatives often hate to talk about money yes they hate to talk about how much to set their price at Mm -hmm. and the worst thing i mean internally it hurts you like nails on a chalkboard to think you're charging too much yeah so if you think you're charging like you might throw out a number and you may be like is that okay yeah and and i and i and i and i love what be love is saying there because if somebody hasn't told you already like yo that's that's a lot if they just say, okay, write it off, mm-hmm. maybe you know you could have got more out of that situation. Very true. And confidence plays a major factor in that as well. And I didn't even really realize it until he kind of spoke on it. But confidence says a lot because I can tell the difference of, of how different people move. And a lack of confidence can really have you undervaluing yourself and like he said, if you wait for people to tell you what your value is, you're going to be waiting forever and you're going to be broke. So how do you set your prices? Mm. <laughs> I have the most fluid price structure ever. GG Broadway. How do you, you, you know, you just, there's no set fee. You just kind of go by how you feel that day. I got retrograde prices. Oh, I got Lord. summer prices, this winter. Is, this is a problem. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Help me. We want more feedback on this because I do think it's an important topic that affects creatives and entrepreneurs, not just in Richmond, but all over. It is vital, I think critical, that you understand certain steps in regards to 
you know, setting a price, building a relationship, when to when to charge, understanding what you're doing, whether you're providing a public service mm-hmm. or you're doing something just as a hobby or for a career. These are just vital, vital things that every creative has to face and they have to understand it and deal with it. So this is not something that just Gigi's going through or something that I'm just going through. I know a lot of you are going through it as well. So we would enjoy your feedback. Please let us know. Email the show, thecheatsmovement at gmail.com. Also, let us know on social media, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, how you um, deal with the question of setting your price, doing things for exposure versus monetary fee. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, March 3rd, Super Tuesday. Gigi Broadway is in the building. Gigi, how you feel? Feeling good, man. I'm here. Are you excited about Super Tuesday? Yes. It's down to the wire. I think it's a two-man race. We can't do that right now. No. But I do Mm -mm. think it's between Sanders and Biden. I think this is this is for the whole. It'll probably go all the way to the end, but this is for the whole show. Sanders and Biden for the gusto, man. Sanders, as long as we're feeling the burn, I'm good, man. See, there you go. And so, because I have to play devil's advocate <laughs> on every episode, I will just say, "Hey, look, Super Tuesday, go out there, vote, make your voice heard." You know what I'm saying? Please. With that said, another place that we really, really want you to go out and make yourself known, make your taste buds known, make your wallet known, is we are smack in the middle of Richmond Black Restaurant Experience. I love it. This is year six. Shout out to uh, Mimi Bowen, Amy Wentz, Kelly Lemon. They have they, Those ladies have really made this into a spectacle like no other in the city yes this year they have 35 participating restaurants um they already kicked off mobile soul sunday at canawa plaza they made canal they bought canal plaza back they made canal plaza pop it again yes so, so many people <laughs> told me that they hadn't been to Canal Plaza since Friday at sunset. Yes, I, that's all I kept getting. And they were back at Canal Plaza and they made it lit. I was out there. I took my brother out there. My cousin was out there. I had a lobster grilled cheese. Mm. I had a lobster grilled cheese out there. It was phenomenal. My brother had, uh, you know, the whole fish plate did the works. A uh, lot of family, a lot of friends saw some great performances on Sunday. Shout out to C. Goss, who I saw, J. Biz, Cole Hicks, who I saw. I know my my brother, Radio B, shut it down. So shout out to all of them. Yep. But Richmond Black Restaurant Experience. Gigi Broadway, you have seen the list. Mm-hmm. You have seen the list of restaurants. Where are you going to go? Where is a can't miss? Where is your can't miss stop that you have to go to between now and Sunday? All right, so I'm I'm trying my hardest, man. Y'all, y'all bear with me, man. I, I'm 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 working. I'm tired, but I'm gonna be out there. I'm trying to hit multiple restaurants, multiple days. One restaurant I cannot miss is the mini bar, man. They give me every time. Shout out to the mini bar. Yes. Shout out to the mini bar. Yes, everything. What do you like at the mini bar? E- okay, so the lobster burger is a plus. Okay, but and the mini bar is shaka bottle. Yeah. Yep. Now 
the cornbread. Let's talk about this Grand Marnier cornbread <laughs> with the right amount of drizzle. So succulently, Ooh. like just, just dripped lightly, delicately on flaky. Oh, it's just so good. The pasta, everything is good, man. Everything. I've, the drinks are amazing. I mean, you just, it's a good time, good atmosphere, good people. I love it. So shout out to the mini bar. The mini bar is your can't miss stop. Can't now, miss. I'm looking at the list, and it is hard because there are so many, I feel, can't miss stops. But it, it's also like, do I go with the traditional Croker spot or do I go with the traditional Mama J's, which we know are very well established. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They are established entities. <coughs> Ronnie's Barbecue, an established entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spoon Bread is on the up and come, but we know where <coughs> they are. Southern Kitchen has been on Gordon Ramsay. They've been bought back from the brink, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So now so the Kitchen is popping. They working. Man, I'm going to tell you one that I think is something that everybody should go to, uh, especially family-friendly in regards to what me and my son enjoy doing, and that is Brewer's Waffle. Ah. So several you, – you could catch us there on either Saturday morning or Sunday morning, you know what I'm saying – Brewer's Waffle, I take Cameron with me. He loves everything at Brewer's Waffle. He loves just the, the, the toppings and the sweet waffles. And so we have a really, really good time going to Brewer's Waffle. So that's my my highly recommended. Yours would be the mini bar. Mm-hmm. My highly recommended would be Brewer's Waffle. Check it out. They also have great art in the Well Gallery. So everybody over there, shout out my, my, my guy Freeze. Uh <laughs> Freeze is doing his thing over there, Brewers Waffle. I love him to death. Nice. So, lastly, before we uh, before we move on, is there one on the list for the Richmond Black Restaurant experience that you want to try, like a, a place you haven't been but you want to try? Well, I want to try them all, um, honestly. But if I had to, oh, one more thing, honorable mention and huge shout out to Maple Bourbon for the best chicken tenders I think I've had. That's on. That's on. So that's my list of want to try. I've never been to Maple. Bourbon. Really, never been. Great event space, great food. So Mabel Bourbon is is downtown, kind of in the finance area. So not exactly Shaco Bottom, but I believe it's on. Um, is it? It's Maine. It's, it's on Maine. Maine. Yep. Right on the corner. Right on the corner, of Maine, over by the Capitol. Yep. yep. And by Capitol Waffle. Yep. Chicken tenders to die for. So okay. When you go, okay, definitely a must. Um. <sighs> so many on the list, it's man. So shout, many. Shout out Soul Taco. I've been to Soul Taco. See, um, that's on my list. I don't know if I've been to Nutty Buttery. I've been trying to make my way to the Nutty Buttery for a minute now. Okay. They have great... Um, okay. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. And you're going you're, you're gonna to be surprised. Because I've been to this establishment, but I don't think I've sat down and had a meal at Vagabond. I haven't either. Okay. So that's on the list as well. I'm telling you, Richmond Black Restaurant Experience... They have partnered with the Urban League, um, the Greater Richmond Urban League. I want to say Young Professionals. Oh, so that's yeah. their give back this year. They give back to a nonprofit every year. So shout out them for that. That's awesome. Um, they are doing so. There's a ton of events. Please go to their website. There's a ton of events all during the week. But the big closing is stick a fork in it on Sunday at the Altria Theater Ballroom. It is free and open to all. It's kind of like a broad appetite type situation in Richmond. They'll be offering small plates mm. for a reduced rate, and you can walk around and get as many small plates as you want. That is the last clothing, closing event, but there is a ton of events That's dope. on the website. And uh, that starts at 12 p.m., right? 
Yes, it is, I believe, 12 to 5. But please, it's vablackrestaurantexperience.com. Please make sure you check everything out that they have to offer. It is it is really an amazing event, an amazing staple here in the Richmond community. And just so, because I'm going to say it, you don't have to say it, Gigi. You don't have to be black to go and experience the Richmond Black That's a Restaurant fact. Experience. <laughs> it is for everyone. Yep. It is for all ages, all different creeds and races and colors so please mm-hmm. come out and support black business because it is important black business supports the overall richmond community and the overall richmond community should support richmond black restaurant experience that's a fact ladies and gentlemen this is the cheats movement gg broadway i believe that is our show <sighs> another one in the books. another one in the books we still haven't got fired just yet <laughs> And I don't think either one of us has the coronavirus, so we're doing good. Not yet. We don't know about us. On a scale of 1 to 10, we don't know. But ladies and gentlemen, please tell us uh, via social media, tell us via email, what restaurants you are going to, which restaurants that you believe are the can't-miss Richmond Black Restaurant experience. Uh, We'll talk about it again next episode because we are so eager to hear from you on all of these topics yes big shout out to brandon lamont hughes for joining the show today big shout out to all of you for your feedback this is the cheats movement on wrir until next time we we see see it. it